Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Boiler Up Down South. This is Drew coming live from uh, kind of gray Athens, Georgia today. It's a little on the uh, sort of wintry side of fall. Um, I'm here with my buddy Garrett, who is uh, still recovering from whatever uh, crunch he brought home last week, but uh, sounding a little bit better. Uh, feeling a little bit better today, Garrett? Uh, Garrett, I haven't heard that name in years. No, I feel, I mean, hopefully my voice sounds more like myself, but, uh, yeah, no. It's, it's a little raspy, it's a little, uh, it's a little 1950s broadcaster who smokes cigarettes on air, uh, but, you know, I'm hanging in there. Well, Garrett, we have a celebration today, because we actually won a football game. Uh, and we had 600 and more than 600 yards of total. Ooh, pretty sweet. Yeah, that's that's sort of what we've been looking for all season. And uh, we will further gloat about how we have kind of pointed out what Purdue can do to succeed offensively, <laughs> uh, and that they did exact exactly some of those things. So, uh, yeah, stay with us. We'll uh, get back to you after we pay some bills. And sorry that I still sound like. A frog. All right, Garrett the Frog. Let's talk about the offense, because that was the best offensive performance uh, of the season, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, first uh, first time since last season that Purdue got uh, 600 or more total yards of offense and uh, looked pretty good just spreading the ball all over. And um, first I want to give a shout-out to another Garrett, Garrett Miller, who... Uh, led the team in receiving with six uh, receptions, 65 yards. And I was hanging my head and sighing deeply when I thought he was injured again. But <laughs> this dude just, man, he just keeps getting knocked down. Like, he, he is a Chumbawamba song in real life. He gets knocked down and he gets up again. Find me another person from 1995 who can make that reference off the cusp. Garrett, but. real quick, you feel like Garrett Miller might lead the uh, nation in like injuries per catch? Honestly, yeah, dude. And he just like he gets up, and there's like a cut, and we there was that one when we were watching last week. Drew told me to look away because he was like, "Oh, I think he might have gotten a fracture in his leg," and then we both quickly realized, "Wait, no, he just got a cleat to his shin, and he's bleeding, and that's why there's a towel over it." Like. This dude is tough as nails. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
And so, you know, I'm a big tight end advocate. Garrett Miller, obviously, you know, was supposed to be uh, a big facet of the offense this year. And he just, you know, Chumbawamba's, man, he gets knocked down and he gets up again. He ain't ever going to keep him down. Yeah, he uh, big day for uh, Mr. Miller. Looks like he came through, uh, yeah, six receptions, 65 yards, a touchdown. Some of those uh, of those six were, you know, receptions over the middle, keeping the drive drives moving. Um, kind of that's what we've been expecting from uh, him all year, and it just took him a while to get going. You know, he, uh, he missed the first part of the season uh, coming back from that knee injury. And in that first game back, I think it was Syracuse, he went up for a pass, and uh, we said I had to look away because, like, one of his fingers was pointed at a right angle. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was just, yeah, sort of the start of it. So, uh, a nice game for Miller. Um, again, I, we, I kind of felt like when we started the preseason, we thought Garrett Miller had a chance to be, you know, an all-Big Ten, or at least on one of the all-Big Ten uh, teams. And I kind of feel like what we saw uh, against Minnesota was sort of what we were hoping for all season. So, a couple games left. Um, let's hope he finishes strong. Um, who else impressed you, Garrett, or what else? Who or what else, I guess? Well, I mean, offensively, I think you and I probably both want to talk about Tracy. I mean, the guy's a converted receiver, and you saw the big bomb he caught over the middle. And I said, I said a couple times this week in different articles and on the previous podcast when I was getting over my my cold and sounded like Kermit the Frog uh I was like hey I mean Minnesota's secondary like has kind of done what they've needed to do but we can see that they can be easily beat over the top like straight down the middle of the field and that's how they lost to Illinois uh and you know Tracy the converted wide receiver got kind of set down the middle and just split out uh and got separation and beat him over the top and quick touchdown and I think that was the drive where he had like all of the all of the yards on that drive and it was like a three play drive like so obviously Tracy's up there uh Maccabee oh crazy legs just the whole running game in, in general that was uh that was actually uh was uh Purdue put out that it looked like that was the uh, best team running game since like I think that's a 2003. I'll, I'll go back and check. But it's been a long time since Purdue's run the ball that well. Um, so, yeah, Maccabee was just eating up yards. He was running like a man possessed, covering the ball up in traffic. Um, I don't even know. Which was your favorite of his angry runs, Garrett? I mean, anytime, anytime I see him, like, just split wide, miss one tackle to the outside, and then – scamper down the sideline for a good like 10 to 15 more yards like those are my favorite type of plays that he's capable of um but dude some of the ones where he was just it, it, it just seemed to get better and better and better it was like oh that was his best run since a few games ago and then it was like oh that was his best run since a play ago and then it was oh that was his best run since a play ago since a play ago he had he had probably his his uh game of the season Hopefully he has more of those, but like so far, certainly his game of the season. How about that offensive line uh, really paving the way? I feel like, uh, you know, I thought the play calling was good. I think uh, relying on that run game a little bit uh, more than normal. Um, Purdue ran the ball uh, 
what, 44 times for 353 yards and threw the ball 25 times. So, you know, that's not maybe the ratio you would normally expect from a Purdue team, but I felt like uh, with the offensive line uh, currently as constituted with uh, Josh Kaltenberger came in, um, that would be the backup center. I, he played – he playing left or right tackle? He may have been playing left tackle, and I don't think he'd ever played that position before in his life. And uh, so, uh, I mean, running the ball was imperative – because it's always easier for those guys to run block than pass block. And uh, I felt like they were able to really get a nice sort of rhythm uh, with the offensive line. And there were some good creases, and they were finishing off runs well. And, uh, you know, it's been a tough year for those guys, but um, I feel like they were able to really get out there and kind of win the game for Purdue uh, on Saturday with uh, – and I also feel like that really kind of speaks to the uh, – to the guys buy-in for all this program because I, I Purdue came out and out hustled Minnesota. I feel like they played harder than Minnesota did, even though they only have, you know, two wins and aren't playing for anything. Um, what's your thought on that? I mean, what I was so impressed with was really just like the variation in the play calling to where it was just constantly keeping a Minnesota defense that hasn't really played too many, like the the defenses, or sorry, the offenses that Minnesota's defense has faced haven't been very good and uh, are all kind of set in their own ways. Like they're all very either run heavy or very pass heavy. So you know what you're preparing for it, with a week's preparation, you know? And I feel like this was the first really variable offense that Minnesota was going to have to face this year. And so I was really hoping that the the Graham Harrell play calling was just going to be kind of your guess as good as mine if, if you're a defense trying to prepare for that and lining up against it. And it was very unpredictable. And they, they didn't just heavily rely on one single outside run sort of scheme or, you know, really try to establish. They were all complementary of each other, like the passes over the middle, passes to the sideline trying to beat them over the top into the end zone like we saw with the Burks uh, touchdown uh, or sorry the Tyrone Tracy touchdown uh, it, it kept them on her toes and that's exactly what I've been wanting to see all year yeah and also I feel like uh, Hudson card uh, you know we've talked about everybody else we, we all you know, have to talk obviously have to talk about the quarterback that was I'd say his best game most efficient game for uh, for sure. 17-25, uh, so he was completed 68% of his passes, 250 yards, so that's, you know, 10 yards per completion, that's great. Um, adjusted yards per attempt, so he's averaging like, you know, 12.4 yards an attempt, three touchdowns, uh, QB rating uh, 191.9, or that's the uh, rating that the sports reference gave, has for the game, so uh, pretty good, that's a good day. Of the rushing yards, I feel like especially he was better uh, on Saturday of being decisive in the run game and when it wasn't there instead of trying to make a heroic play in the pocket and complete a pass that maybe he shouldn't even attempt he was tucking the ball and just going forward and getting what he could get well yeah because when you can establish the run game I mean you're not so much having to even think about playing hero ball right like, yeah. um, and 
you know, I you'd be hard pressed to find too many teams who rush for three hundred fifty yards in a game and lose. Uh, so like when when your offensive line looks that good and it's paving the way on both interior and and like toss sweeps around the side and stuff like that. I mean, you're that's a, that's a hard that's a hard team to beat, and they're going to be able to get their yards as they want and use the clock as they want and. That's kind of the Purdue offense I thought we were going to get for the majority of the year. But, you know, first first year, new staff, I, they, I knew they'd find their footing eventually. It's just like that's the Purdue offense I kind of thought they could be. And it was really refreshing to see that. Uh, yeah, no, that, I mean, whew, they just kept pouring on the points, man. I just I hope they save some for the next two weeks because um, – Purdue is just going to be a really sort of interesting team uh, you know, in these next two weeks, obviously, to sort of look ahead uh, to the future, um, as well as obviously prioritizing winning. But um, I see uh, just a, a good good potential on the offense. Obviously, uh, having Card build some momentum going into camp, uh, would be great for his confidence. Uh, really, maybe try to establish himself as as the guy. I would say going into this game, um, I think Purdue would have been negligent if they didn't bring in somebody that could compete with him right away uh, in this off season. But if he can maybe show in the next couple games, um, you know, with maybe a, a more run heavy game plan. Uh, what he can look like, maybe that changes, um, and he uh, sort of goes into the offseason as the number one quarterback. Um, that's uh, Saturday certainly went, uh, it was a good start. Um, let's see if he can do it again. Uh, I think they make an excellent point, though, that because they were able to run the ball so much, I don't feel like Carr maybe thought he had to, uh, although I tell you what, that one touchdown he gunned in, um, I was a good throw, but I don't know if I want him to make it again. Uh, yeah, see, like, he's <laughs> capable of playing hero ball, but I think he tries to do it too much out of, you know, just... Out of, out of feeling like somebody needs to do something because no, yeah, the ball's not yeah. moving, so I need to do something to make it move. It's it's not like an ego hero ball thing. It's like a, he feels it's necessary hero ball right like yeah. something needs to happen I and mean, i'm the one with the ball in my hands and nobody else is making a play so i gotta force something and i think you're right one when the ball's moving uh, you know on the ground as well as it was he doesn't think about it and his receivers are catching the ball uh which was has been a huge problem in the, the prior two weeks or just been drops um really plaguing uh the whole team i felt like that looked better um I guess the weather was a little nicer. It wasn't quite as chilly. Uh, but uh, I thought that looked a lot better as well, and that helped card out where he was rewarded for making the right decision instead of being punished for making the right decision because the receiver drops the ball. Um, so, yeah, great game. Card, offensive line, the running backs. Um, Garrett Miller, tight end, came into play. And then it was just sort of spread across the uh, the the receiving group. Yeah, three guys each with one with one uh, reception touchdown. Yeah, uh, you know Dion Burks, um, he had the uh, a long gain, but four uh, four receptions, uh, sixty yards. So 
didn't catch a lot of balls, but when he, he did, they went a long way and, and a touchdown. Uh, Sawinski has come in. I guess he's one of Hudson Card's boys, and uh, he's sort of come in and, and become a reliable target for Purdue uh, off the bench as a wide receiver. I think he and Hart have a little bit of a, a, a good rapport, and uh, so he's uh, coming in and, and playing well. Um, and, you know, we've seen that in Sawinski's career. It's, it's kind of weird. Every time he gets on the field, I, he seems like he's pretty steady, um, but he doesn't always get on the field. Uh, and maybe even behind some players that don't quite produce as well as he does. Uh, and then, you know, Jaden Dixon Veal had a couple of receptions. Uh, he's been sort of a peripheral guy in the offense. And TJ Sheffield only had one catch, but it was a big one. Yeah. Uh, with a really nice 24 yard ca- uh, touchdown catch. So, uh, I, like you said, that's sort of what we were hoping for. Yeah, spread, spreading the ball around, man. And and from at multiple uh, positions uh, attacking, you get the running backs uh, attack uh, in in out in the pattern catching balls and also running. You get the tight ends and then the wide receivers. So everything's sort of spread out. It's a lot much harder to defend because um, there's no real number one uh, player out there. Um, I feel like a little bit. That's how Dion Burks kind of shook free. Uh, you know, I feel like they weren't able to maybe target him uh, as the number one receiver. Like he's sort of been targeted here recently and had a hard time uh, uh, getting off uh, that sort of coverage. So I feel like he had a little more space out there because uh, Purdue was throwing to other guys as well. Um, as good as the offense was, I felt like the defense uh, hang, hung in there. Wasn't their best effort. Uh, I yeah, think, but I mean, like, at one point, Purdue was up, like, 42-20, so... It's true, know, that's true. I, I can kind of understand, uh, not necessarily throwing in the towel, but, you know, lightening up a little bit. We've all seen football teams that we like, uh, when things are a little less stressful, they put in a little less effort. It happens. It happens, it does, it does, and, uh, you know, maybe playing a little less aggressive, trying to, to make uh, Minnesota uh, score by using some clock there in the fourth quarter... Um, I, I could definitely see some of these uh, uh, stats being uh, more empty stats uh, than not. Um, uh, you know, but 407 uh, total yards, just a little more than we're, we're, we're accustomed to. Um, they, they tried to get their run game going, and I, I mentioned this in, uh, in my sort of preview, that Minnesota wants to run the ball until uh, you stop them from running the ball. And I felt like Purdue did enough in the run game, especially early, and the offense, Purdue's offense was scoring points that uh, Minnesota couldn't really stick to the run uh, like they wanted. And even though uh, Ethan, uh, oh my gosh, Garrett, give me the, give me the name. I heard it, Preston. Cali Manis. Cali Manis, yeah. He, even though he had a, a decent game in terms of you know, he threw for 292 yards and three touchdowns. He only completed 18 of 42 attempts. So Minnesota is a team that, like, in a lot of their wins, are teams that, like, grind you down with just this power run game and their giant offensive linemen. And uh, I don't, they couldn't do that because uh, Purdue held up well enough in the front uh, seven to start the game. And then, again, the offense helped out. 
and kept scoring, so he sort of forced Minnesota to attempt uh, 42 passes, which is great. Um, that's exactly what you want to do if you're uh, playing Minnesota is make them throw the ball because, um, again, they're just not super efficient at it. Um, anybody, any players stand out on the defense? Um, obviously, uh, Dude, score, Jordan had a great game. Uh, I, I can't, I don't think either of us can say enough good things about how he's been and how he's, he's, uh, even gotten better across the course of the season. Like, he commands so much attention out there, even when he's not making the play yeah, himself. Even if he, yeah, even if he's not, like, the guy who's supposed to be the main point of attack, he's taking up two offensive linemen's attention at once, at the very least. And it's 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 been great to see what Scorton can do. Um, he, had but, a, well, he had an all-around game, three tackles, a, a tackle for loss, a sack, and a, a pass defense. So, that's, you know, he was all over the place uh, on that defensive line, really giving uh, Minnesota some trouble. Uh, and then, of course, Kydrick Jenkins, another great game. The two outside linebackers. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, this is going to be an easy defense to recruit off as outside linebackers, pass rushers, yeah. too. It's like, look how successful you can be yeah. in the scheme that, that we run at the front. I, I know Purdue uh, decommit from, I think, not this year's class, but the next year's class uh, from an outside linebacker, uh, I think last week, I, I'm not even worried about that because uh, they got uh, a lot to sell uh, to outside linebackers in these uh, upcoming recruiting classes, as well as Jenkins and uh, Scorton uh, have played this year. Obviously, Scorton uh, is coming back next year. Everybody get their checkbooks out. We got to get that NIL uh NIL money uh, together. I don't know. Uh, we got to call in uh, the Bechtels, I think. Uh, I don't know if they have any money. Somebody. Uh, we if anybody need, knows anybody who uh, uh, owns a train company. Something. Uh, we need we need Nick Scorton to, to get paid because somebody's going to look at uh, that monster and say, man, uh, I think he looks like he's perfect for a uh, top-tier SEC defense. Yeah, his production this year has been insane, and I really hope he's he's back at Purdue for one more year. Yeah, because, man, uh, I could see somebody throwing uh, a nice uh, bag at him. And, you know, Jenkins, I hope Jenkins, I mean, man, he could come back. Jenkins could return as, as well. Uh, I, I think he has his COVID year. Uh, I don't know if he'd take it or not. Um, he's he's played a lot in his career, uh, and he's hot right now. I, I don't know if he's staying another year, gets it any hotter, but, uh, uh, you know, outside linebacker is going to be a, a premium position uh, on this defense, I think, uh, coming up in the years uh, to come, and that's going to bring in some more talent. I think we used to be the den of defensive ends. It may be the, uh, oh, think of a word that starts with O. Orange. The orange of outside linebackers? No. I don't know. No, dude, you said a word no, that starts with O. That's true. That does start with O. You didn't specify. Uh, like, uh, it's a word that starts with O that means a group. Um, uh, ostensible group of homies? I don't know. I don't know, Ken. That's it. Ostensible group of homies, then, of offensive linebackers. Like, you just see a group of random guys, like, <laughs> talking to each other about, like, like, hey, remember Rod Woodson, who played for Purdue? Uh, 
and then like they're just all of a sudden being like, hey, you remember when uh, Randy Johnson played for the Mariners? That's an ostensible group of homies. So, I can uh, see that. Okay. They, uh, they like that Rod Woodson reference, everybody? Yeah. That was, and hey, then Garrett, that, Garrett had that one tucked away in there because he is recent to the Purdue cult. Um, so uh, kudos for the research. Hey, I'm happy to be in this cult, man. I will drink this golden <laughs> black Kool-Aid. You know, I will say this, Garrett. It's probably easier to be a Purdue fan if you're also a Georgia fan. Uh, because I'll, I'll say it's easy to be a fan of anything if you're a Georgia fan. Come right. down here, drink some of my poison sweet tea, and we'll talk about our Lord and Savior Kirby Smart. No, I no, I do. I just mm-hmm. I love I love football. I just happened to go to UGA. I did grow up a Georgia fan. I happened to go to UGA. I it's been very fun to learn about Purdue because I did grow up loving Drew Brees, uh, you know, and uh, Jim Everett and. I'm a big quarterback fan. That's the only position I was good at at football until kids hit puberty before I did and they started taking my head off. So, like, that that whole Jim Chaney basketball on grass era, Kyle Orton, I love that stuff. So it was not hard for me to become a Purdue fan. And I know I'm new to it, and I appreciate you guys hearing me be new to it, but it wasn't exactly difficult. And Hudson Carr's my boy. Well said, well said. And again, there's three wins in the bag. I think we're going to four. You know, here's I want to I want to look at something real quick though, because this was uh, something I was sort of thinking about after the game. Uh, I want you to listen to this uh, schedule. Uh, so pretend like this season hasn't happened yet. How many wins does Purdue get on on this schedule? Nebraska. Pretty play Nebraska. We're talking like, am I going back to like a preview? Like if we're in July? Yeah. Well, no, we know what we know now. So we know which what the Purdue team is now. Okay, we know what Purdue looks like right now. Right now, Ooh, and, and what these teams look like. Okay. So just if Purdue played say this schedule instead of, of the schedule they played. So you know, it was Nebraska. So that's a push either way. Eastern Michigan, Purdue wins, right? Uh, North Carolina, we'll say that's a loss. Northwestern, win. Louisiana, Sunbelt team, we say that's a win. How many I'd wins? S- I'd say so. Yeah. How many wins are we at right now? That's four. Uh, Michigan, we'll call a loss. Iowa, we'll call a loss. Michigan State's brutal, brutal right now. That's right. So that's a win. Yeah. Uh, Illinois. We already beat them. Yeah. And then so, and that would bring us to... Purdue would be the next team on that schedule. Well, and that was a spring game, if I, if I recall correctly. <laughs> right. So that was, Minnes- that was Minnesota's schedule, and I think realistically, Purdue has six wins if they weren't sabotaged by the most ridiculously stupid schedule I think I've ever seen a college football program schedule. I don't, I don't know why you start the season with Fresno State, a team that like kind of just ended that the season. That was a buy game, Garrett. We paid them $1.3 million. Yep. Why would you ever schedule a team as good as Look, Fresno State has been? Do they not watch football? Like, okay, it's one thing to pay a team. Like, it, yes, my, my alma mater does this a lot. You pay a team to keep their athletic department going, to come and get their butt beat, right? 
Right. And <laughs> you don't do that with a fringe top 25 team who can embarrass you. You simply don't do that. And, like, there's just... Why would you I, do that? And there's such a, there was such a high probability that, like, these teams were going to at least be decent. In fact, Virginia Tech is significantly worse than I think would have been projected. All these ACC teams but, as well? Yeah. Like, uh, the Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Fresno State, like, it's ridiculous. I don't know what they were thinking when they scheduled that. I mean, we cover... I cover a lot of. I cover Clemson, scheduling a Mac team would make more sense. Like if you if you scheduled Kent State, you scheduled like I mean you did schedule Eastern Michigan, but like it, it, that makes more sense than you know like a, again a fringe top twenty five team or even like again Fresno State. I think they ended last year twenty three. Right? Yeah, and yeah. had a lot of their guys come and, back. And, and like, they're traditionally a pretty sound program. Um, like. I mean, Clemson's schedule this year, even though obviously the Tigers have struggled. Uh, you know, Duke, and then they play uh, Charleston Southern, uh, non-major, and then Florida Atlantic, and then they play, uh, uh, and then they play Notre Dame as their like big non-conference game in South Carolina. So they have like two hard non-conference games, and then they schedule two really easy ones. They don't just schedule four like teams that might be able to beat them, but maybe like that aren't that are gonna all finish like eight and four and are super dangerous. There's no yeah. reason for Purdue to play such a difficult schedule. It's 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 like uh, it's it's the opposite of low risk, high reward. You know, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I know there's a smarter way of phrasing that other than the opposite of what I just said. <laughs> but like, it's very low reward, high risk. And I don't know why they would schedule it that way. And hopefully they uh, learn from these missteps. Because again, like not to nitpick, but this Purdue team could have already been bowl eligible by now, given where I see the talent level. Just given a uh, just given a regular schedule where you say knock off Fresno State, right, and replace them with like Ball State, and there's another win, right? So we're so, I wouldn't know anything about playing Ball State, right? Well, we would um, have had to outbid Georgia for their services to open the season. Well, then I wouldn't have gotten to go to the game, dude. <laughs> Come on, man. Fair. Think so, about Garrett in this situation. How about we we schedule Indiana State to start the season? There you go, Sycamores. So Sycamores. So there's a there's a go win. Dog, Sycamore. There's a win. So there were four wins, and then we get rid of say Syracuse and schedule like directional Michigan, and we're we're five wins, and we have North Northwestern and uh, Indiana left, uh, and that legitimately is how like. Purdue should schedule. I mean, that's how other teams schedule. That's how Clemson schedules. That's how Georgia schedules. Like, nobody schedules four teams that can potentially beat you. Well, also, and, like, I don't want to go too deep into this, like, sounding like I think I'm an expert or anything, but, like, I did work as a recruiting person in the University of Georgia's athletic department, and, like, you don't keep getting, like, highly talented kids interested in you if you're playing teams that like are fringe on your level and then like you either beat them by four points or you lose to them by three points you 
No, man. It, what's so much more interesting to these kids, even if you're playing somebody who's just 100% grade A booty, <laughs> like, if you beat the crap out of them, it's more enthralling than, you know, a close win versus a math team, you know? Yeah, give just give us, uh, I mean, uh, God, just a couple of the games. I mean... Purdue play well enough against Fresno State to beat, like, a lot of teams. I think they'd be a lot. Just, they scored enough points. I think they played well enough. But Fresno State is, like I, like I said, not a bad team. Anyways, I'm getting off track. We're celebrating the Minnesota victory here. I just, at the end of that game, I was just kind of frustrated thinking about how, you know, we could have hung 49 points on a lot of people this year. It's, yeah, it's just such a weird, like, I think the way people are going to view this season would be totally different if Purdue scheduled just like a normal team. Not like exceptionally easy, not exceptionally hard, just straight down the line like a normal Power 5 team. Well, and also as somebody who dabbles around, because I am this much of a nerd, as somebody who dabbles around with, like, athletic director simulator type stuff oh my God. Um, you know what would be great for Purdue to do uh, you, when you schedule out of conference opponents make it like one of the weakest opponents in a big conference oh that's always like, fun Purdue, I want an annual because the schools are so similar and they have the same color scheme I want an annual Purdue Vanderbilt game Oh, that'd be and nice. then Purdue just like throws for 400 yards on Vanderbilt every week, and hey, you gotta win against an SEC team. Let me tell our SEC record. We're like we we are six and zero in in the or we're three and zero in our last three games against the SEC, and we, nobody needs to say this is Vanderbilt. It just means less. <laughs> it just means it just less. means less. So, anyways, um, let's go ahead and wrap up our uh, gloating with a little. Uh, well, give me your uh, player of the game, Garrett. Who you got? I'm going with Tracy. I gotta go with Tracy. Um, it's hard to not say Maccabi, but uh, you know Tracy really proved uh, that he can be still his converted position wide receiver and a really darn good running back. So, you know, shout out to him. Shout out to his selflessness in terms of being able to hear hey we want you to change positions and being like okay whatever's good for the team so gotta go with Tyrone Tracy um I of course am going to go with uh Hudson Card I will actually I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this I will say for this game specifically I agree that Tyrone Tracy I feel like was the player of the game I think long term that was a really important game for Hudson Card to sort of show um, what it looks like when he's playing well. Because I, I feel consistently well in a game because we haven't seen that too often and I feel like that uh, long term is something we've really needed to see this year. Uh, that, that was that sort of upside. And again, it wasn't against, and that wasn't against uh, a scrub opponent. And he hasn't played any scrub opponents. So again, his touchdown and interception ratio is going to look worse than it would 
against any sort of normal ske- uh, schedule. Um, uh, so, it's, well, and dude, I mean, he took more hits again, ooh. and he was still kind of like, I don't know if y'all recall. Uh, yeah, sorry, I said y'all. <laughs> I don't know if y'all recall in the third quarter, but he got hit in the back, and he was still kind of like walking a little bit weird, and then still threw like an eleven-yard strike right on the numbers to I believe that was Burks but uh, like he seemed unfazed even when he was hurting and he's kind of been hit a little bit all season so you know Hudson Card really did have that game where it was like dang if you look like this all the time you really are the answer right right yeah that that was sort of again that was almost like I think a proof of concept Hudson Card game where you can say this is what it looks like when he's playing well and being really efficient using his legs and uh and then able to use that he's got man he's such three, a, three touchdown passes no ints one rushing touchdown and that arm talent he can really snap the ball off when he's he wants to put that extra like the one where he just threw in that such a tight window to the back of the end zone um man no, his, his touch when he does have time in the pocket, like, and even sometimes when he's rolling out and he's, like, just throwing off of one leg, like, the touch he has on the ball and, like, the amount of effort it would take you or me to throw a 30-yard pass, like, he just makes it look so effortless to go, like, 40 yards into the back corner of the end zone. Yeah, no, he really snaps the ball, I feel like, and he doesn't, he has a, not a, he has a compact enough uh, delivery, it doesn't take him that long to get it off. I feel like he's got a lot of puts a lot of wrist into it almost. He spins it so fast too, so uh, and maybe maybe that's one of the reasons uh we've been having a little hard time catching it when it's cold out. Uh, that was another thing that we sort of meant, talked about. Yeah, again, we didn't drop the ball, which was helpful. Um, so moving on, uh, Northwestern uh, coming up. I think uh, pretty probably gonna be favored in that one. Uh. I would imagine so, too. I'm not going to make a prediction yet because that's for uh, later on in this week. But, uh, yeah, I don't I don't see that game as too much of a, you know, something Purdue can't win. You know, like, I, it, I'm not going to say, like, oh, yeah, it's an automatic win. But, like, that's not a game that Purdue's incapable of winning. So. <laughs> Garrett going out on a limb and saying that Purdue's... That Northwestern can be beaten. <laughs> Northwestern is fallible. <laughs> Whoa, guys. Northwestern, <laughs> Northwestern ain't in the CFP rankings, guys. Okay. So, Northwestern is fallible, according to Garrett. That is good to know. I think Purdue... That is a very hot take. Hey, guys. Northwestern, they can lose a football game. <laughs> Step away from the ledge there, Garrett. We're getting a little crazy on a Sunday. Uh, so, uh, I think uh, I like Boilers in this one. But, again, we'll talk a little bit more about it uh, coming up later on this week. So, anyways, hope you all have a good one. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you a little bit about basketball here. Uh, check out us uh, talking about basketball off the uh, on the feed here here in a few minutes. Yeah, guys, uh, thanks for listening. And I'll just say it, but in a non-southern accent, y'all come back now. You hear later. <laughs>